bless his name. Turn with me, please, to the book of Isaiah, the 17th chapter. Isaiah chapter 17. And we'll just lift out two verses, but keep your Bibles open, for we have a lot of ground to cover tonight. Bless his name. Isaiah 17, verse 1. The burden of Damascus. Behold, Damascus is taken away from being a city. It shall be a ruinous heap. The cities of Aror are forsaken. They shall be for flocks, which shall lie down, and none shall make them afraid. Let us pray. Father, thank you for the sense of your presence. Thank you, Lord, for your faithfulness. Thank you for your coveted and your promised anointing. It's not by might or by power. By my spirit, saith the Lord of hosts. Father, take your word now and, Lord, wing it to every heart and give us understanding in these days in which we live, Lord, to be ready for the soon coming of the King of Kings, your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. We ask it in his name and for his glory, giving you thanks. Amen. Around 18 months ago, to maybe two years ago, a few had of asked a man or a woman just in the street, generally here or wherever you are, and ask them, what city is the capital city of Syria? You probably would have got a guess or a pot shot at what that city would be. Many, not all, but many, would have no idea whatsoever what the capital city of Syria was. Neither, if you mentioned Damascus and asked them what country was it in, very few would probably be able to tell you and also be able to tell you that it was a capital city also. 18 months ago or so, there was an uprising called the Arab Spring or the Winter of Discontent. And we'll look a little at that in a moment. And Syria has been going on ever since. Just Friday week ago, someone had said to me, that they had listened on the series which we had done about a year or so ago on the Battle of Armageddon. And during that series, I had mentioned this verse and said that Damascus would be a ruinous heap. There would be war in Syria. I can't uh, remember exactly what I said, but it was something of that ilk. They had mentioned it to this person who had mentioned it to me. And a few others had come and asked me the question, is the Syrian conflict a sign of the end times? Is the Syrian conflict a sign of the end times? Damascus here is mentioned in our reading. The burden of Damascus, behold, Damascus is taken away from being a city. It shall be a ruinous heap. The name Damascus is mentioned some 60 times in Scripture. 60 times in approximately 55 verses, you will find the name 
of that city called Damascus. So I have four points this evening I want to go through with you to bring you right up to date to answer the question, is the Syrian conflict a sign of the end times? The four points are these. First of all, we want to look at ancient history of Damascus and Syria. Secondly, we want to look at the recent history of Damascus and Syria. Then we want to look at prophetic history of Damascus, Syria and the surrounding area. And we also want to look at the culmination, or if you want, the fulfilled prophecy of Damascus and Syria. So those are the four points we want to go over this evening. Let's look at the first one. The ancient history of Damascus and Syria. The first time you'll find the word or name Damascus mentioned in Holy Writ is found in Genesis chapter 14. Tells a story of Lot who was Abraham's nephew. He goes and he dwells at the gate or he becomes prominent in other words in the city of Sodom. And Sodom was that city that was full of sin and unrighteousness and debauchery. Lot decides to go and place his tent, first of all, outside looking towards Sodom, then at the gate of Sodom, then he dwells within Sodom. Let me say as a way of passing through this point, that sin will always take you further than you ever meant or wanted to go. At one moment, he's walking with Abraham, the man who was called by God to be a father of many nations. Then as he walks with him, he departs from him and finds himself in Sodom. A conglomerate or a confederacy of kings come and they take Lot and a lot of the people of Sodom away. They take Lot and his wife and his family and his goods and they're all taken away. And Abram, who becomes Abraham, Abram gathers some 318 of his armed and trained servants to go after his nephew. He goes right into Sodom and right through, upward into Damascus. And you'll find at the outside of Damascus, he finds his nephew Lot. So this is the first mention of this place. Genesis chapter 14 and verse 15 says of Abraham, He pursued them on the Hobah, which is on the left hand of Damascus. Do you see whenever you want to follow the world, the devil will take you by force. When you want to trifle with the things of the world, the devil will not trifle with you, but you'll find that he will kick you while you're down. It's good to know tonight that no matter how far you've went, no matter how far you have drifted, no matter how far you have fallen into sin, that the Lord Jesus Christ, He who is of the seed of Abraham, yet He is the God of Abraham, He is the one who has come to bleed and die for you, that you may be saved. And He can lift you from the mire, and He can save you for time and for eternity. Here is the first mention of the name of Damascus. Damascus is mentioned outside of scripture also. It's mentioned in the conquests of the Egyptian pharaoh Thosimis III. And you'll read it on uh, cuneiform tablets or clay tablets 
and they were written about 1500 BC. Also in the Amarna tablets in 1400 BC, you'll find Damascus is mentioned then also. So in scripture it's mentioned and outside of scripture, Damascus is mentioned. We're told that after Israel are brought from Egypt through the hand of God, led by Moses, through the Red Sea, they go into Canaan land, they set up, they become a people, then kings come from them, and there is a separation in the house of Israel. The twelve tribes separate into two kingdoms, ten tribes to the north and the two tribes to the south. And the ten tribes to the north are called Israel, or the house of Israel, or Ephraim, or Joseph. That's the name given to that nation. And the southern kingdom is given the name of the house of Judah. You'll find that the Syrians or the the Damascus leadership, they make an allegiance and an alliance with the house of Israel. And they make an allegiance and an alliance with the house of Israel in order to fight with the Assyrians. Now they're different people. The Assyrians. And they form an army together to fight against the Assyrians. You'll also find that Damascus is mentioned. Because the Damascus, the Assyrians, and the ten tribes of Israel, they gather together and they actually fight Israel's brethren, the Judahites. And we're actually told in Second Kings chapter 16, for the first time, that they fight against Israel, fights against the Jews. The house of Judah. You can read that for yourself when you go home. So Syria, with its capital city of Damascus. We have Syria, and it is known as Aram in Scripture. When you read the word A-R-A-M, Aram, that is Syria. Okay, so keep that in your mind. Historically, uh, as it allied itself, we had King Tiglath, Pileser III, And he came and he conquered Damascus and he conquered Syria and he brought some of the Aramians or the Syrians and he carried them away captive and he sent them away up round by Halath and Habor and right up through the mountains and into Russia. Keep this as a mental note please in your mind. Sent them right up into Russia. Then at a later date he came and he carried away the house of Israel. And at a later deportation, Sennacherib the king came also and he carried them away. And they never returned as a nation again. There was only, only a remnant of the house of Israel was left. But those who were left of the Syrian people, those who were left of Aram, Those who were left there around Damascus, they became known as what was an entirely pastoral people. The Assyrians lorded over them and they were pastoral over them. So Damascus is used the whole way down through scripture. This is the ancient history of Damascus and Syria. Many believe that the fulfillment of Isaiah 17 and verse 1 are reading... That Damascus is taken away from being a city and it shall be a ruinous heap. There are many who say that this was fulfilled in the time when the house of Israel and before that the Syrians were taken away captive. But I have to say this in the defense against that. 
It says here that it would be a ruinous heap. A ruinous heap. Damascus, until this day that we are listening to this tonight, Damascus is still known as the world's oldest continuously populated city. Let me say it again. It is the world's oldest continuously populated city. In other words, it's one of the oldest cities, if not the oldest known in the world. And it has always had a continual population, even though there have been people carried away. It has never been a ruinous heap. So Isaiah 17 and verse 1 could not have been fulfilled. People take a little bit. Behold, Damascus is taken away from being a city. And they say, there you go. That's it there. But let me say this to you. And I would ask you to draw in close to me. I want to really start to break this up to you. If a man comes with a word of prophecy. For example, if I said to you, it's going to rain this month in Northern Ireland. It's not very prophetic, is it? Because it rains nearly every day here. If I was to say to you it's going to rain this week in Northern Ireland, it's still not very prophetic either, for it rains almost every day. If I said to you it's going to rain all over the country, but this village of Donnacloney will be completely dry, well maybe it's a little more prophetic. But sure, there could be showers here and none in another place. If I said to you it's going to be raining all over, yet it's going to be completely dry in Donnacloney from the hours of 9 to 12, that's more precise and more prophetic. This prophecy of Isaiah is the same. He's saying it will be a city that will be taken away captive. There will always be people, they'll be drawn away. It will fill up with people, they'll be drawn away. There will be various times of captivity But now we come closer, it says, it shall be a ruinous heap. Damascus has never been a ruinous heap. What does that tell you tonight? What does that tell me tonight? It tells me that this scripture has not been fulfilled. Completely fulfilled. See, God says what he means, and he means what he says. And God said it would be a ruinous heap, then it will be. A ruinous heap. Jeremiah chapter 49 gives us another insight. Listen to what the prophet says concerning Damascus. Verse 23 to 27. You can read it when you go home. But 26. Listen to verse 26. Therefore her young men shall fall in the streets. And all the men of war shall be out off. Be out off in that day. Saith the Lord of hosts. Verse 27, and I will kindle a flame in the walls of Damascus, and it shall consume the palaces of Ben-Hadad. Now, what on earth does that mean? First of all, any war, any conflict, we find men, young men, old men, and women falling in the streets. That's a natural thing. But what does he mean about this Ben-Hadad and some type of fire going there? If you go into the Old Testament scriptures, Ben-Hadad was an actual person. But do you know, scholars plundered over this and thought about this, and they couldn't work it out for a long time. And then in 1940, in northern Syria, there was an old ruin found by archaeologists. And it was an old state 
and it was underground and as they dug it up, they found out it was called the state of Ben-Hadad. And it was around the northern part where Turkey is, just below the border where the city of Aleppo is. You're going to hear in the, in the news, you hear of the city of Damascus, it's south. You hear of the city of Homs, it's in the middle. And you'll hear the city of Aleppo is in the north. And this prophecy tells us that there will be war moving north in Syria also. Not only in Damascus and in Homs. It also lets us know that when we look back in history, in 605 BC, Nebuchadnezzar, the Babylonian prince, conquered the city also. We're told that he came and he took away many people. But listen again. There is no records which exist of it being in ruins. Nebuchadnezzar is the king that took away the house of Judah. Nebuchadnezzar is the king who ruled and had his dreams in Daniel chapter 2. Nebuchadnezzar was the head of gold of that great image he saw in a dream. Then the man who had his chest and arms of silver representing the the kingdom which would come after him, the Medes and the Persians. Then the belly of brass, which represented Alexander the Great and his empire. Then there was the thighs and the legs of iron, which represented the pagan Roman empire. Then there were the feet of iron and of clay. And those feet of iron and clay represented the breakup of pagan Romanism and the moving into papal Romanism right today until we have this European Union and the trying to gather together of a one world government. That's where we are today. We're right at those toes. But you know, if you read Daniel chapter 2, the good news is there's a stone and it's cut out without hands and it smashes the image of his feet and it smashes all of these wicked kingdoms. And when it smashes the kingdoms, we're told, it grows into a great mountain until it fills the whole earth. And this stone kingdom is the kingdom of our Lord Jesus Christ. Christ is coming, and he's coming to set up his kingdom on planet Earth. Here we have these kingdoms being portrayed in Scripture and being led out before us as we go through time. Alexander the Great came, and he came in 332 BC. As we said, he was the belly of brass from Nebuchadnezzar's dream. And it merely merely became a province of Alexander's uh, empire at that time. And in fact, when Alexander's empire came, we're told that he took the city without bloodshed and without destruction. So let me read our verse 1 of our reading tonight. The burden of Damascus. Behold, Damascus is taken away from being a city. It shall be. A ruinous heap. While we're still on this point, let me round it up by saying this. Damascus has also had the blessing of the gospel. Damascus has also had the blessing of the gospel of grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. It is here that when the Apostle Paul, before he, when he was Saul, he was arrested on the road to Damascus in Acts chapter 9. When there was a flashing or a bright light that flashed in his eyes and he fell to the ground and he cried, Who art thou, Lord, when the Lord said, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? This was the the Apostle Paul. He went to Damascus and he preached the gospel in this very city. 
This city was blessed to hear the word of God. This city was blessed to hear of saving grace. Can I say something to you tonight? You're blessed tonight. You know why? Because you're hearing the word of God. Because you're hearing the message of saving grace. That Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. And that he was buried. And that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. That's the gospel for you tonight. The apostle Paul, he is taken blinded by the hand. And he's brought the straight street in Damascus to the house of a man called Judas. And as he sits there, God gives him a vision. Here's a man who was blinded at Damascus. Here's a man who couldn't find his way to the city. Had to be led by the hand. And God still gave him a vision. The last thing Paul seen before God released his eyes again. Was the glory of God. The light shone on him. He saw God's glory. And he was blinded. You see God sometimes has to knock those things out of our life. That we won't look or see anyone or anything else. But only the glory of God. And of our Lord Jesus Christ. And may we all be blinded tonight. And put away all of those things. Of our wills and our wants. That we will see Christ before our eyes. And Christ alone. And hear the voice of God calling us. We're told he goes and he's given a vision. He preaches the gospel. Acts chapter 9 verse 20 it says, When he, Ananias comes and touches him, we're told, and straightway he preached Christ in the synagogues that he is the Son of God. Damascus had the gospel. In Galatians chapter 1 and verse 17 is the last time in scripture when you read of Damascus. Paul has went and sought the Lord. He's in Arabia for three years. And he heads back to see the people at Damascus. That light was burnt into Saul's mind. That light, the glory of Christ, was emblazoned upon his heart. And for those times when he walked up that road and sat in that house and waited until God gave him vision, that is spiritual vision and physical vision. You see, God is still in the healing business and he's still in the saving business. And he sat there and all he could see was the light of the glorious gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. It was emblazoned on his heart. Let's read our verse again as we move into our second point. Isaiah 17 and verse 1. The burden of Damascus. Behold, Damascus is taken away from being a city. It shall be a ruinous heap. The word here, taken away. It shall be taken away. It's a Hebrew word, sur. And sur means to be removed. That is, the whole city will be removed. Removed from being a working city, a thriving city. People, trains, buses, 
Whatever it may be, mode of transport, people going to work and coming from work, people that are in uh, on the buses to work and coming back from work, people who are walking, people who are getting on with their lives, people who are, are doing their day, day and daily things and their duties. And it says, it shall be a ruinous heap, it will be taken away. The term ruinous heap here is the word mepala or mepala. And it means, gives the idea of falling buildings or buildings that have fallen. A heap of stones. Can you imagine a city with a population around the size of the whole of Northern Ireland? About 1.7 million. Can you imagine suddenly what happens, what destruction, what devastation comes that is suddenly taken away? And the walls, that gives the idea that the walls are just piles of rubble. No longer. It's finished. See when it says the burden of Damascus, behold, Damascus is taken away from being a city. See the word behold? It gives the idea of an element of surprise. When the Lord was going into Jerusalem on his final week before he was crucified, he comes to take figs off the fig tree, finds none. It has branches and leaves, but there's no figs representing no fruit from Judah. And he sees there's no fruit, he curses it, and we're told the next day going by it, and it withered up. This tree's maybe 30 foot tall. And it withers up into the size of nothing. And Peter seeing it, he says, Behold, master, the fig tree which thy cursing has withered away. Peter can't believe his eyes. That in, that, that in 24 hours or 12 hours, whatever length of time it was, that that tree could wither right up. Surprised. John the Baptist sees the Lord Jesus coming down the banks of the river Jordan. And there he is coming with his robes flowing as he's heading toward him at the water. John up to his waist in Jordan. He looks and above all the men that are there he sees Christ. And he says, behold the Lamb of God. Look this way at me. There he is. Can you see him? Get the idea. Behold! The world's oldest, continuously inhabitous city. Behold, look what has happened to Damascus. The world will cry. The world will be in upheaval. Look at it. Friend, this is coming upon the earth. And if you're not saved, friend, you will go through as much trial and tribulation as the man beside you in your seat if he's not saved. And you'll go through as much as the people in Damascus. You know there's believers in Damascus? There's Christians there. I don't know what sort of Christians they are, but I'm told there are Christians there. Pray that the Lord will give them wisdom. And these days, behold Damascus, what has happened to this city? 
second point I want to look at is the recent history. The recent history. Syria's borders are surrounded by other countries. Lebanon is to the west, and then we have the Mediterranean Sea after that. Turkey to the north. Iraq to the east, and then Iran after that. Jordan is to the south, and then the Israeli state is to the southwest. So it's surrounded by different nations. The Syrian state was established after the First World War through a French mandate. Now you listen to the news. You listen to the news. And you tell me if you don't hear the voices of America and Britain and France. You listen. You see how the French are lifting up. Libya was the same. The French come out of the woodwork. The French are like Benjamin. They're as unstable as water. And the French came out of the woodwork at the time of the Libyan conflict. You know why? Because they had an interest there with a mandate. And you watch the French. That's what the French are. Or they're coming out of the woodwork more and more. This French mandate caused Syria to, it represented the largest Arab state to emerge out of the former Ottoman Empire. And it gained its independence in April 1946. What is the Ottoman Empire? The Ottoman Empire was the Turkish Empire that went right across the whole of the Arab region, right through where Iran and Iraq is, right the whole way down around by the Fertile Crescent, where Abraham came from, right to the very southern tips, even right into where Saudi Arabia and across Palestine, and right down the whole line. That's where they were. And then, of course, through Bible prophecy, you'll have to get another tape, that's another study, but you can read about it in Revelation chapter 16. You read about how the great river Euphrates is dried up. Now you're going to hear Bible prophecy teachers tell you that the river Euphrates must dry up. And when it dries up, there's going to be World War III. Listen, what does the river Euphrates have anything to do with a missile? Or a jet plane? Why would it need to dry up with the technology that we have today? The river Euphrates has dried up on a few occasions and just a trickle has been left. Did you know that? Through history, it's marked and it's known. The river Euphrates was the area where people populated. The Turkish Ottoman Empire conquered it. And as they lived, they lived around here, they irrigated the areas. And as they irrigated, more people came and lived the whole way down around that fertile crescent. And so, whenever... The seven times punishment of the house of Judah finished in 1917. You'll find that the Ottoman Empire started to dry up, lose its possessions. And Turkey became just that nation with a a few fragmented parts in the earth or around the Middle East. That was the drying up of the river Euphrates. And since that time, you have communism came from Russia, went to China and attacked Taiwan. And since that time after that, you will find that you have Marxism came to the fore. You'll find after that that the, 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 the vision of the three shepherd children of the land visions of Vatima, they came forward also around that time, all after the drying up of the river Euphrates. Here we have Syria was born out of it. The Israelite state or Israel was born out of it. They were all broken up, the whole area. 
And this is after the Ottoman Empire started to dry up. Let me just go on a moment. After a number of military coups between 1949 and 1971, during this time Syria had an alliance with Egypt, which was broken in 1961. And after the military coup in Syria, then came, it came under emergency law from 1963. There was emergency law in Syria. When did it last to? Right till tonight. Think about that. We hear of emergency laws and coups happening for a week or a day or a month or even a year. From 1963, emergency law was brought in to Australia. Let me draw you closer. Stay with me. Try and keep attention, please, because I don't want you to miss this. This means it was a suspension of most of Syria's constitutional protections for its citizens. And its systems of government is considered to be non-democratic. In 1971, Hafez al-Hassad became president and the presidential button was then handed down to his son, who is still tonight the current president, which we hear about on our news, Bashir al-Hassad. That's still the regime that Syria is under. Now here's the thing. We're told when you look at the Arab Spring, as it were, or the winter of discontent, there are 22 Arab League nations. 22. All Arabs. Arab League nations. And we're told that Egypt is one of them. And there's another prophecy we'll go into another time. says, Egypt shall not escape. And the rising of Egypt in the last days. Now we have the Muslim Brotherhood who are going for the elections in Egypt. And do you know who else is now one of the forerunners? Mubarak, who they threw out last year, his top aide is now one of the forerunners to take over. Nothing has changed, but there has become more fundamentally Islamic. Now listen to what Egypt says. Either party getting in. Either party getting in they are going to take a look in order, in order to break the treaty they have with the Israelis in order that they may attack it well. Now you listen to this. This is a powder keg going off in the Middle East. You mark my words, and not my words, but the word of God. And you watch these things, and you're watching them on the news. You remember that the Lord is coming soon. Let me go on a little bit more. There's two, 22 members. Then from 1976 to April 2006, we had the, the, the war and the disruptions with Lebanon. Do you know in Song of Solomon chapter 7 and verse 4, there's a little telltale hideaway verse there. And listen to what it says. It's meant to be Solomon singing to a Shulamite. Now, if I sang this to my wife, she'd hit me with something. But it's meant to be Solomon singing to a Shulamite. It's Yahweh or Jehovah singing over Israel, singing over his land also. Listen to what it says. Thy nose is as the tower of Lebanon, which pointeth towards Damascus. There's a range of mountains called the anti-Lebanon mountains. 
And up the entire Lebanon mountains, there's all, that's where Mount Hermon would be. It is believed in a lot of all of the, the people around there. It is believed by them and also in some Jewish literature that the, the fallen angels from heaven came and landed on Mount Hermon. And if you go up to where Caesarea Philippi is, right at the top of, of where the Israeli borders are, 20 miles beyond that, you go up the hill and it goes up into the mountain. That's where our Lord Jesus took Peter and James and John, it's believed. And he was transfigured before them. And his garments shone brighter than the noonday sun. And his face was more brighter than anything you had ever seen before or they had seen before. And Christ had, he had shown a glimpse of his kingship and his deity and his glory that was to come. You know why? Because right at the foot he says, Whom do men say that I the son of man am? And we know the story starts asking questions. Who is he? Who is he? He says, who do you say that I am? And when he says that, we're told later as Peter says, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. He said, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. Then he goes on to say that he would build his church and the gates of hell or Hades would not prevail against it. There's a big hole in the ground where they believed that that was the gate of hell. Because the fallen demonic angels came upon that mountain. If you look at that mountain today and the graphics of the, 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 the graphics of it, you will see right over it goes past from Damascus to Homs to Aleppo. Is that strange? That Christ would come and show his deity and overlord this mountain? You know what he's saying? It's okay. The devil is under my feet. It was on the 26th of January 2011 that the Syrian uprising took hold. I want you to look at the Arabs for a moment. Third point, prophetic history. Genesis 16 tells us of Abram, i.e. Abraham and Sarah. Can't have any children. And their handmaiden is an Egyptian. Hagar, and she says to Abraham to go and lie with Hagar. And she could have a child for him. And in verse 12 of Genesis 16, listen to what the Lord says. She has a son, she calls it Ishmael. Listen to what the Lord says to Hagar about Ishmael, her son. He will be a wild man. His hand will be against every man, and every man's hand against him, and he shall dwell in the presence of all his brethren. Ishmael had 12 sons. Sounds familiar, doesn't it? Ishmael had 12 sons who had 12 tribes, and they became the Ishmaelites. He is the father of the Arabs today. Now here's the thing. He says he shall dwell in the presence of all his brethren. See the word presence here? It's a word ponim. Do you see when we're worshipping here tonight? See when you're focused on Christ and the group are playing and you're conscious that the Lord is in our midst. You know what that means? That is known as the presence of the Lord. 
it means it is the face of God. Do you realize that when you're worshiping and you sense God near, God's face is toward you? Here it means that Ishmael and his descendants, they would be in the face of everybody else. Always in your face, he says. And they're in the face of the whole world. Now let me say this, to clarify this. I'm not saying that every Arab or every person in these nations are bad people. I'm not saying that. These people need the gospel just as Paul preached in Damascus. Throughout these regions, the twelve sons of Ishmael went from Haliva to Shur. You know where that is? From Assyria right down to Egypt. That's why the winter of discontent or the, uh, or the Arab Spring was all over. They're all linked together. They fight with each other. And then they fight against everybody else. A wild man. These risings in themselves will not cause World War III or the Battle of Armageddon. For the blue touch paper is found in Jerusalem. But they are being brought, as it says in Revelation 16, to that great day of the battle of God Almighty. Turn with me to Ezekiel 38. Ezekiel 38, please, for a moment. I want to show you how in Ezekiel 38 there is a conglomerate of nations. I've showed you these before. I'll not go into them in depth. But I want to just mention them on the way past. Ezekiel 38, verse 1. The word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Son of man, set thy face against Gog, the land of Magog, the chief prince of Meshach and Tubal, and prophesy against him. Where's Gog, Magog? That is Russia. In a nutshell, that's Russia. Get the other series and you can, I'll break it up a bit more for you. That is Russia. Meshach, notice the name, Meshach and Tubal. Those are the ancient names for Moscow and Tobolsk. The Lord says, they're going to come down. Tell them I'm against them. Let me, let me go on. Let your eye run down just for time's sake. Verse 5. Persia, Ethiopia, and Libya, with them, all of them with shield and helmet, Gomer and all his bands, the house of Tagarma, of the north quarters, and all his bands, and many people with thee. Persia is Iraq or Iran today. Ethiopia and Libya, they are all the north parts of northern Africa. And Gomer, some believe, is Germany and even Austria or the steppes of Russia. Tagarma and the house of Tagarma is Turkey and all of the satellite states of the breakup of the USSR. You know, like Turkestan, Turkmenistan, Uzbekistan, Tajikistan, Afghanistan, all of those stand names are all of Turkish descent. They're all going to gather together and they're all going to start to move. You're seeing that today. You look at your news, you're seeing it today. I want you to see the alliances here as I read something to you. Before we do, I want to show you something else. Verse 13. There will be someone who will say you're going to take a, a spoil to them that will stand up and fight. Sheba and Dedan. Some believe these are some of the southern peninsula, Arabian peninsula states. Sheba and Dedan and the merchants of Tarshish with all the young lands thereof shall say unto thee, Art thou come to take a spoil? 
the merchants of Tarshish is Great Britain and its naval fleet and its military forces with the United States. The young lions are the commonwealth of nations. Britain is the motherland. That is our symbol. In fact, a few of our friends would uh, keep me going and saying three lions on a shirt. You know, when they're watching England playing football. So three lions. Lion is the symbol of Great Britain. Now there's more to that, but you'll have to get that another night as well. They will come against this horde that comes against the land of Israel also. So notice Britain and America and the Commonwealth. Notice Russia and Iraq and Iran. Notice uh, uh, Syria, Lebanon. Listen to this. Here are some news headlines for you. The Telegraph uh, website on the 14th of June, just a few days ago, 2012. Russian Foreign Minister flatly denied allegations that Moscow is supplying Bashir al-Azad with attack helicopters, instead pointing the finger at American intervention in the region. Hillary Clinton, Secretary of State, accused Moscow of aiding Assad's militiamen, saying the move would be would escalate the conflict quite dramatically. That's just this week. Listen to this. Russia and Syria have 353 million pound contract made. Russia is selling Syria 36 combat fighter jets from Russia. Now let me go on. The Telegraph also informs us Russia has long been Syria's main provider of weaponry. It's only it's the only it's only Mediterranean naval base is also in Syria in the town of Tartus. That's why Russia will protect Syria. They have a great military base and a naval base in Syria. You don't hear about these things either, sure you don't? Listen, here's a little sidelight. Just a little thing, by the way. Damascus, its old name was, instead of Damascus, they called it Damishak. Damishak. Gog, Magog, Meshach, Meshach and Tubal. Think about that. Remember they carried them away? wonder there's a genetic link there that they're just drawn one to another. Let me go on again. Many inhabitants of Damascus were taken away from Assyria, as I said, and, and put up around there. But there's another link that has come into being, and that's with China. China backed Russia on a stance with Syria. Listen to this. The Telegraph, 14th of June, 2012. Britain cannot rule out military intervention in Syria. If the current peace plans fail, said Foreign Secretary William Hague, Britain would not abandon the Syrian people, Downing Street has said. Russian Foreign Minister Sergei Lavrov warned, There will not be a Security Council mandate for outside the intervention. I guarantee you that, he says. These are just a few quotations out of many. The blue touch paper is round the instability of the Zionist people of the land of Israel. Iran's Fars News quoted this. Listen to this. Bashir al-Azad. This is Iranian news. Listen to this. He was told while telling Turkey's foreign minister that he would launch hundreds of ballistic missiles at Tel Aviv 
in the way, if the West interferes in its conflict with the pro-democracy, uh, with the pro-democracy uh, protesters. Listen to his quote. If a crazy measure is taken against Damascus, I will not need more than six hours to transfer hundreds of rockets and missiles to the Golan Heights and fire them at Tel, Tel Aviv. He also boasted that support from Lebanon and Gaza by Hezbollah and Hamas would complement his attack by other rockets being fired into Israel. Also, he claimed that he was confident that his ally, the Iranians, would launch an attack on the United States warships in the Persian Gulf. Who's in the Persian Gulf? The fifth fleet of the United States naval force. In fact, the USS Enterprise, now that's not Captain Kirk and Star Trek when I say that. The USS Enterprise is making its way there now. It's the biggest, maybe one of the biggest ships America has. And it's sitting 70 miles off the Gwadar uh, port in Pakistan, ready to fire at this moment. The Pakistanis are backed by China. China built the Gwadaran port. China says, hit them, we'll hit you. Where does China come into it? Drying up of the great river Euphrates, Revelation 16 and 12. That the way of the kings of the east might be prepared. So, there's so many of these. You could do weeks in these. I'm going to do an update in a lot of weeks, see how things go. But here's what I want to look at. The burden of Damascus, behold, Damascus is taken away from being a city. It shall be a ruinous heap. The cities of Aurora are forsaken. See Aurora? There were three or four Aurora's around the whole area. That's the name of the place. It gives the idea that no matter where you go, there will be bloodshed. Here's the good news. This is the culmination that was a prophetic history, culmination or fulfilled history. See, prophecy is history foretold and history is prophecy fulfilled. Matthew 24, the Lord Jesus says, You shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you be not troubled, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nations shall rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom, and there shall be famines and pestilences and earthquakes in divers places. All these things are the beginning of sorrows. Philippians chapter 3, verses 20 and 21. The Lord Jesus is coming again and Paul says, For our conversation is in heaven, from whence we also look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall change our vile body, that it may be fashioned like unto his glorious body, according to the working whereby he is able even to subdue all things unto himself. I finish with this. Thank you for your attention. It's been tremendous. Do you see the word here for subdue? It gives the idea of arranging things in order. It's a military term. I don't know if you watched Trooping of the Colour yesterday morning. I love it. Sitting watching all those soldiers turning around in uniform. Watching them trooping the colour of majesty there for her birthday. It was fantastic. That's the idea. There will be chaos. Behold, Damascus is taken away from being a city. Russia, China, Iran will come. The African 
coast of the north coast will come. All of the Arabs will come. The Ishmaelites will be there. The Hagarines will be there. The Hagarites. They'll all be there, friend. Britain and America, the Commonwealth, will say, let's go and protect and have war. And planet Earth will become a smoking cinder. But Jesus is coming back to stop that. And when he returns, he will subdue. He will organize. He will have all things under his feet. In other words, when he comes back, he will subdue and arrange all this world's order. People talk about a new world order, a new world order. Friend, there will be a new world order. There will be a new world order under the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, the Lord Jesus Christ, when he returns. He will subdue all all governments. He will subdue all demons and demonic spirits. He will subdue all death and all sicknesses. Every tear shall be wiped away from our eyes when Jesus returns. Everything, the lion will lie with the lamb. When Christ returns, he will organize it all. He is able to subdue all things. And I want to finish with this revelation. Chapter 19. Here he comes. These men want the war. Here's the war. Verse 11. And I saw heaven opened and behold a white horse. And he that sat upon him was called faithful and true. And in righteousness doth he judge and make war. His eyes were as a flame of fire. And on his head were many crowns. And he had a name written that no man knew but he himself. And he was clothed as a vesture dripped and dipped in blood. And his name is called the Word of God. And the armies which were in heaven followed him upon white horses, clothed in fine linen, white and clean. And out of his mouth went a sharp sword, that, ha- that with it he should smite the nations, and he shall rule them with a rod of iron. And he, and he treadeth the winepress of the fierceness of the wrath of God Almighty. And he had on his vesture and on his thigh a name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. Are you saved? Christian, are you ready? Are you messing about? Have you wandered away? Have you gone astray? Are you in the world? Friend, are you like Lot? Are you sitting among the the, the poverty of the world? Are you in the places where you shouldn't be doing the things you shouldn't be doing? Are you going where you shouldn't be going? Christ is returning! Wake up, O sleeper, and rise from the dead. Christ shall give thee life. God bless us. Damascus will be a ruinous heap. Damascus will be destroyed. The world will be destroyed. But Christ will return. And at what point in time, no man knows. But we know that he's coming. May you get right with God and walk before him. That you'll not be ashamed of his coming. God bless you. Thank you for your attention.